Good morning. You're just going to have to ignore the plant, all right? Because we'll, we'll get to that in a second here. Um, but uh, welcome uh, this morning. As uh, we are considering um, this year, you know, I just praying and, and studying, getting ready for um, teaching today, you know, I, I was very... Uh, very convinced that the Lord has a message for us this morning out of John chapter 15. And um, when we consider our relationship with God, I, I hope that during 2016, you don't just go, that I don't just go another year, same thing as last year. Um, God wants to do a new work and he wants to change our lives. He doesn't want us the same today as we were yesterday. And because he wants to do that new work, um, it's up to us when we when we call upon him to ask him to do this new work um, in our lives and really to be ready for it. In Isaiah 43, there's a scripture that says, um, do not call to mind the former things, nor ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do a new work. And then he asked the question, will you not see it? I'll make roadways in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And God speaking to Israel um, was telling them that, if they were so busy looking at their past, they weren't going to see the new things that God would do. And so it was important for them to look, to look forward. And then he asked this question, will you not see it? So the question is for us today, are we going to see the new work that God wants to do? Or are we so busy, so preoccupied with looking back? Now, sometimes we could look back in nostalgia like, man, what a great year that was. Or, or we can go back five years or 10 years and we have this way of glamorizing um, in nostalgia the good old days, right? We look back at the good old, remember in the good old days? But during the good old days, sometimes those were the hard days and God wants to do a new work. But we have another way of looking back at sometimes the difficulties of our past, the trials, the, the, the difficulties that we had in relationships, maybe Maybe something happened to us and some hurt and some pain that we can't get past. And so we're having trouble going forward. And this year, I really believe that God wants to do a new work in our lives. And as he wants to do that new work, will you see it? Will I see it? So um, this morning, I wanted to ask for prayer. Um, we are going, I, I'm going tomorrow to a, a retreat. Uh, Santa Cruz County has... Um, a pastor's retreat that we do every January just to get away. Different churches, you know, you have Baptist, Presbyterian, you have uh, Pentecostal, Charismatic, you have everywhere in between. And um, there's pastors that get together and the, the whole theme of this one is soul care. And really it's, it's this, you know, it, it says in um, Proverbs 4.23 to guard your own heart or watch over your own heart with diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Um, it says in the New King James, the issues of life. And if I'm not guarding out for my own heart, I'm not watching my own heart, careful about my own heart, then I have nothing left to give. I just want to share with you that um, when we came up with the theme for the retreat, we were praying about it, we were talking about it. Um, I, I suggested this as a theme for the retreat probably back in October. Um, it said, Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. For in doing so, you'll ensure salvation both for yourself and for your hearers. And I'm like, hey, that's the most important thing as pastors that we could do is, is to take care of ourselves and, and our own walk with the Lord and then the doctrine that we're teaching. What I didn't realize was that come January, how much I would need this. And I just want to um, let you know that I, I'm in that place of just going, man, I need the Lord. I need to meet with him because I'm, I'm running on fumes that have lasted since... I feel like August. I feel like September hit and uh, we were like, okay, we're getting ready for this school year, you know, and, and uh, I, I, who knew what a senior year would do to a parent? You know, who, who knew what college applications and, and SAT, who knew what, what uh, different sports and different activities and good things would, would happen and birthdays and anniversaries and ministry and, and a lot of neat things and good things, but to the place of depletion exhaustion, physical exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion. Um, usually a hike, just getting away, recharges my batteries. Spending a day with the Lord, all of a sudden I come back and I'm ready to go and I'm excited. And I'll tell you what, it, it's like the recharge isn't happening. It's like if you have an old laptop that's about five years old 
and you try to plug it in, you think, okay, I plugged it in overnight. This thing's going to go for you know, at least seven hours, and in 20 minutes, the battery life is gone because there's something that that battery needs a deep recharge or a reboot or a different battery. But spiritually, I feel like that is kind of me coming into 2016. And I was praying about like what to share because I don't want this to be about me at all. At, at all. I, uh, that was my hesitancy in sharing these things. But I really felt prompted of the Lord to share these things because I think some of you can relate to me. And, and I think that if I, I share this, um, one pastor said that uh, transparency is the gift of going first. And when you have a bunch of friends and you're sharing accountability or, or prayer requests, you know, everyone's kind of superficial until one person goes deep. And then once one person goes deep, then everyone says, okay, it's safe to jump in the water. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. It's kind of like a, a dating relationship, right? You're not sure how deep to go. And then when someone opens up, then you see, okay, they're, they're willing to go this deep. And so I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this with you because in doing so, um, I wanted to share how the Lord has been speaking to me. And, and one of the things when it comes to that soul care and watching out for our own souls and making sure that we don't burn out and we're not depleted is really focusing this year in abiding in Christ. I talked to Bill Holdridge um, maybe about two years ago. So a couple of years ago, I, I was talking to him just about um, this passage that he was studying. He said, you know what, Matt? He goes, I have taught this. Yeah, I've been a pastor for over 30 years or whatever it is. And he said, I've taught this passage over and over and over again. But it wasn't until this year, this year, and this is a couple of years ago, he said that I really felt like the Lord just gave me this fresh glimpse of John 15 that the most fruitful thing that I could do is abide in Christ. The most fruitful thing that I could do for my family and for the church and for the ministry is really to spend that time with the Lord and draw close to Him because ministry should be outflow. Should be outflow of what God is doing in my heart so that I'm, I'm sharing with you not only from God's Word teaching but that it's, it's affecting me, it's changing me. He's working in my life before I share those things even with you. So as we started 2016, before we get into the book of Revelation, I really wanted to spend some time in priority looking at what it means to abide in Christ. And so last week, what a great way, we, we started with prayer. Um, last Sunday, we talked about abiding in Christ in prayer. Um, we looked at prayer, um, the reason for it is to get to know the Lord not a to-do list. We don't want our prayer life to become just a functional, utilitarian thing where we say, God, here's my list of stuff for you to solve and the things that I want you to do and where I need help. Because in the same way that a marriage can drift towards utilitarian function, honey, did you pay the bills? Did you pick up the kids? Did you, did you save this? Did you budget this? Did you pay this bill? Did you go here? Did you buy this? Did you cook here? Did you, did you plan this? When you first started to get to know each other, it was this. You're talking on the phone, right? No, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. No, I'm just going to talk here. I'm just, you hang up. And then you just keep talking because you want to talk. And then there's nothing to talk about, but you don't want to hang up. You don't, don't, don't stop this communication. Don't hang up that line. I just want to be with you more. And then, and then just being together and, and just hanging out and sometimes to the, to the point of you're hanging out so long that you have homework or work to do, but you don't care, right? You just put that off. Just, it, it's not as important as just spending time with you. And I know I need sleep, but I don't want sleep right now. I just wanna, I just wanna be with you right now. It, it's more important than these other things. And then in our walk with the Lord, we can get into checklists. Did I do my devotions? Check it off. Here's my prayer list. Lord, here's my list. This is what I want you to do for me. This is where I need your help. And we can move from relationship to just this functional um, type of, hey, God, could you help me? And, and basically, God becomes our, our genie. He becomes, um, you know, the Coke machine where you put the coins in and you expect a certain thing to come out because you've put your coins in. You've done the work, you've done your stuff, and now you want God to answer in a certain way. And this morning, I just want to focus on the rest of abiding. Rest. So I'm going to read this scripture, and then after I read it, we're going to look at some things in it 
that I really believe that God would uh, speak to us about. In John chapter 15, just to give you some background, remember, if you take from John 13 through John chapter 18, um, what you have, or 17, you, you have this Jesus's opportunity to meet with his disciples right before he goes to the cross. And the thing that I love about it is that he allows them into this inner circle. I think that he spent his last week the way that many of us would spend our last week. We would want to gather people that were closest and dearest to us to be able to share that time with them. And then what Jesus does is he just opens up his heart and he begins to share with them. We get to overhear his prayer in John 17. But here in John 15, he says this. Now, Judas has already gone out. And so he's talking to um, his disciples. And, you know, they're, they're walking towards, you know, they're in Jerusalem there. And there's vineyards and, and olive trees everywhere. There's, there's fruit. And he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may remain full. This morning when we consider this abiding relationship, the first thing is considering uh, the vine dresser, the vine and the branches in this relationship. You know, um, Hudson Taylor is one of my heroes of the faith. There's a book about him called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. I highly, highly recommend that book. It's a biography about a, a British man who felt like he was called into mainland China. And when he was called there, there were not a lot of Westerners that were missionaries into mainland China. Most of them stayed near the coast. But Hudson Taylor learned this secret of abiding and really um, trusting the Lord. And let me read to you what his, his grandson wrote about Hudson Taylor. It says, here was a man almost 60 years of age, bearing tremendous burdens, yet absolutely calm and untroubled. Oh, the pile of letters, any one of which might contain news of death, lack of funds, of riots, or serious trouble. Yet all were opened, read, and answered with the same tranquility. Christ his reason for peace, his power for calm. Dwelling in Christ, he drew upon his very being and resources. This he did by an attitude of faith as simple as it was continuous. Yet he was delightfully free and natural. I can find no words to describe it save the scriptural expression in God. He was in God all the time and God was in him. It was that true abiding of John 15. It's awesome how John chapter 15 affected Hudson Taylor to be able to go through life kind of calm and unfazed. And it's not that he didn't realize the urgency of these letters or the dire situations, but that he learned to trust Jesus and that everything, his life was in Christ and Christ was in him. So this morning, I want to begin by giving an example of this fruit tree. Now, it's kind of a crooked fruit tree right now because it was in storage. You know, I, I asked Denise just right before I came out. I'm like, hey, do you have any fake fruit? You know, do you, that lemon tree that we used to, yeah, that, she's like, yeah, I think we do. So she runs in the back, she grabs the lemon tree and it's a little bit bent. So I'm just gonna, I, if I bend it too much, it'll fall out. But it, it's a pretty cool looking lemon tree. Now we know this to be a fake tree. 
Um, it even has a, a fake, I noticed, a, a little bird in there, all right? So there's a fake little bird that kind of gives it away. But it's a decent, fake-looking lemon tree. And when it comes to bearing fruit, um, Jesus begins by starting out with this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, in the true vine, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament is described as a vine. But yet Jesus is talking about, it's not Israel that is the vine now, it's Jesus that is the vine. Israel was God's plan to show people what God's relationship with them looked like. But when Jesus came, all of the law and the prophets, they all testified and pointed to Jesus. And now he talks about him being the true vine, which means that there are a lot of false vines, right? And if we're branches that are connected into the vine, if a vine is the life-giving source, if a vine is what gives nutrients and what gives the vital connection in order for us to bear fruit and be alive and to grow, then if we are plugged into a false vine, some other life-giving source, some other thing that we're looking for to produce fruit in our lives, it's going to shrivel up and die. And see, a a, a false tree, a false fruit, it it looks real, has some of the same qualities and characteristics. I was actually thinking about being really mean because we have this this uh, grape, uh, this fake grape, I don't know, a bowl of grapes that we have on, on our dining table. And it looks really real. And I was thinking, if I put real grapes with this fake bowl, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, it's really uncanny. And I was thinking, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, it would be fun to take some of the real grapes and like toss them to people and have them eat it and then toss a fake one and have someone throw it in their mouth. And then my mind fast forwarded to someone choking in church. Like it went down the windpipe and like they're swallowing this plastic grapes. All right, not a good idea. We'll just go with this tree. Um, But as you can see, it's fake. And the reason why I wanted to point that out is that sometimes we could look just like everything is okay. We could look like, hey, hey, I, I look the same that I looked yesterday. No one knows how desperately spiritually and emotionally exhausted I am. So like, a, like a, a false vine plugging into other things, sometimes in our culture, what we could do is we could plug into other things to give us that life and energy that we need. Now, it's not a legalistic thing at all. But we could plug into, hey, I just need... It's music. That's my, my thing. And music is a good thing. It's a gift of God. But yet, it's not music in and of itself that gives us life. Um, we could plug into religiosity. We could plug into, hey, working out. I just need to work out. I feel better. But you know what? That working out is a part of that stewardship of, of our body. But yet, it's not relationship with Christ. We can get lost in a novel or a movie or some escapism. And you know what? It feels better for a while. It feels better for a little while when, you know, I binge watch, you know, a, a show that, that now the, the whole season is accessible. It used to be like you had to wait for another week to watch the next episode. And now you can just keep watching every episode, right? But we could, we could look for other things to give us the life and to give us the peace and to give us the joy that God says, Plug into me. Be vitally connected to me. Because Jesus said, in me, you'll have life. The thief, which is the devil, only comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And the question for us this morning, does my life, does your life, do our lives look like that abundant life? Let me tell you the most convicting part of this for me. When we make disciples, Jesus said a disciple will be like his teacher. I started thinking about it. Do I want my kids and do I want my church and my family, do I want them to be more like me? And yeah, there's some things I do, some things I don't. But right now, I don't want, I don't want my family, I don't want you to live a frenetic, just activity-pushed up to the the limit and then spilling over exhausting type of life where you can't find that peace and it's so hard to get still that you can't hear the whisper of God because of all of the noise that is going on in your life. I don't want that. 
And in order for that to happen, I have to hit the pause button. And the pause button didn't happen because January 1st came. You know, I tried to pause it and like, okay, God, give me some time to uh, contemplate last year. Look at the lessons that you taught me. Plan next year out. Look at the calendar from the, you know, the big picture. Do the five-year plan. Uh, figure out a pace. And boom, it's January 9th. It's like, and, I, and so I've been trying to do it the best that I can. But I share that with you because when Jesus says, I am the true vine, realize that sometimes the false vines can look like real vines. And sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference. And that gets very tricky when it comes to religiosity. By religiosity, I mean today is Sunday. And, and hopefully it's a day where all over the world, all over the country, all over our county, that there are people that are gathered together. Even right now, there are people gathered together in other sanctuaries and other rooms that are opening up the word of God, hopefully. And they're praying and they're studying scripture and, and that's what we could do. But if this is the only time that I do this, it, 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 it's gonna cause us to be famished. It's going to cause us to be malnourished. It's going to cause us to be fake, like that tree that looks okay. But I want something real. I want something authentic. I want something that is that, that deep relationship with Christ. And so he reminds us that, hey, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Then the next thing that he reminds us is that I am the, um, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser now um i was actually going to call someone earlier this week because he I, I have a friend that used to work a, a vineyard i have a couple of friends that used to work vineyards one of them still does um i just didn't get the time in there but i, I looked some things up and started doing a little bit of it, studying because i don't know what a vine dresser does I, in fact the word vine dresser seems like a kind of weird vine dresser like what does a vine dresser do well let me tell you some of the things that a vine dresser does a vine dresser is an agriculturalist involved in the daily pruning and cultivation of grapevines. It's a centuries-old profession mentioned in the Bible that is an important component of the production of wine and other grape-derived products. As with any agricultural pr uh, profession, vine dressers work nearly year-round to help ensure the vineyard has a successful crop from which to create wine, juices, and other items. So one of the things that the vine dresser does is the vine dresser prunes. We're going to look this morning at this scripture of, of this pruning. Um, it's one of the most important tasks of a vine dresser. They have to have the knowledge of the common ways to prune these grapevines. There's different types of pruning. And the techniques take into consideration the shape and the consistency of the vine. Pruning is an essential task. And listen to this. As it removes dead, diseased, or stunted fruits to make room for new growth, ultimately leading to a healthy and productive vine. The pruning process begins very shortly after planting, usually within a few weeks. If our father is the vine dresser, then he is going to look at our lives and he knows what's dead. There are some dead things in our lives. Um, one of the worst things is cleaning out your refrigerator and realizing that you bought vegetables just to throw them away. <laughs> I just, I get so angry. It's like, well, we bought this. It's still in the bag. And like, I should have just went to, you know, Safeway and just said, here, take my money. Just take it all. You know, I don't even have to deal with the rotten stuff that's in my refrigerator, but that happens. And the, the vine dresser sees when something is dead, diseased, stunted growth, cuts it off, gets rid of that so that there's room for this new growth. The vine dresser also takes care of pests. It, it, he keeps pests away from burgeoning vines. There has to be a knowledge of the type of pests that are common to that region, as well as the type of pests attracted to the particular grape species. Well, let me tell you some of the pests in Santa Cruz County. There's some of the pests that are indigenous to our area. This kind of, um, and good things and bad things, but you know this laid back type of, I, I love a laid back vibe. You know, I, I love when I go to our pastor's gatherings in Santa Cruz County, they look different than the pastor's gatherings I used to go to in San Jose. 
Pastors look different. They dress different. There's more. It's low key. It just, it just feels more relaxed. But let me tell you, one of the pests that could get into in our, our vineyard, so to speak, is this kind of same attitude when it comes to our walk with the Lord. Like, if I'm going to grow this year, I'll grow. You know, if the Lord wants to produce fruit, he'll produce fruit. You know, <laughs> that's cool. If he wants to do that, man, just let him do it. Just, just go with the flow. Just relax. And yet there's a diligence. There's a part of us seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means in order to abide and to grow, that there's some things that we need to do. That mindset of just, hey, come as it may, that's one of those things that sometimes needs to be snipped off. There are other things in, in our culture and our society today. Um, digital technology. I mean, that's one of the pests today that destroys the vineyard. It, it keeps our mind always occupied. When God created us for rest, God created us for downtimes. God created us at times to be able to sleep. I mean, we even brag about um, in our culture today, yeah, I only need four hours of sleep. <laughs> well, you know what? You might be able to function, but you're not functioning at optimum level. And even much more than that, you're probably not able to hear that still small voice of the Lord. Because there are times when we just need to unplug and just get away. Those are some of the things that the vine dresser helps us to do. Let me tell you one other thing is that the vine dresser is responsible for monitoring the vineyard's irrigation, receiving the correct amount of water and irrigation during the growing season. Failure by the vine dresser to provide adequate water to vines could lead to sunburn, immature vines, and pest problems. Realize that one of the ways that we see the word of God, you know, the washing of the water of the word of God. There is a, um, uh, an analogy of the Holy Spirit being like those springs of life, the, the water that, that just bubbles up out of our lives. And if there's not irrigation, if there is not that watering, if there's not that time with the Lord in his word and spending time just waiting upon him, then I'll tell you what, we become shriveled up. Um, a lack of pliability, a vine, a, a branch that doesn't have irrigation, it, it becomes very brittle. And I'll tell you what, I feel brittle. I just feel brittle, kind of prickly. You know, when, when things are very watered, there's, a, there's a, a, you know, softness, a pliability, a flexibility. And I find, especially at home, where I really can be myself more than any other place, I find a rigidity. There's a, a sharpness in my answers that doesn't come in commensurate degree to the offense. It's over the top at times because there's not enough rest and there's not enough just that deep work of the Holy Spirit, the waiting upon the Lord. I'm not, when, when we're not spending that time with the Lord, we're not worried about anyone else. We're not thinking about others. You know why? We're just on edge. We're just trying to get things done, just trying to get our to-do list done, just trying to figure out our lives, much less thinking about other people. So we could run by people instead of seeing them as sheep without a shepherd. We see them as crowds that are in my way. Get out of my way. You're in my line. You're, you're moving too slowly in this lane. Would this lane just go faster? And if you see yourself like switching lanes at the stoplight because you can get three cars a little bit faster in that lane. And then you're mad because that guy start, started too slow. It's green. He waited one and a half seconds to start going. And now I'm one and a half seconds later to that next place. Now, maybe that's just me, okay? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just confessing and this is just good for me and it's doing nothing for you. But I get like that. I, I get like that. The, <laughs> thank you. Someone said, <laughs> thank you, us too, all right. Um, the harvest, the, the, the vine dresser is responsible for that harvest. He knows when it's time to harvest. Doesn't pick the grapes too soon. Doesn't prune the branches too soon um the vine dresser evaluates and monitors the vineyard knows what to do in between that growth season and so notice i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser so what are we in verse two we are the branches every branch in me that does not bear fruit 
he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So if the branch is, thank you, that was a visual, I just asked for her to do that in the middle of the, the study, so that, hey, could you just let the cell phone go off? No, no, <laughs> I'm kidding, didn't mean to put all the attention on you. Um, <laughs> our role as branches is to be connected to the vine. That is our role. It is to be, and this is an amazing thing because Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. And here we have the vine telling the branches, be connected to me. We have the vine telling the branches, just be connected to me. Just be plugged in. Just be um, so close to me. Just be so near to me. As it says later on, I in you and you in me. That's what God wants. He doesn't want religiosity. He doesn't want a religious game. He doesn't want a checklist. He doesn't want legalism. He doesn't want a list of rules. He wants relationship. And when we make that our priority and understand that we are the branches, then the next thing that can happen is that we can bear fruit. Now, what does it mean to bear fruit? Fruit is the offspring of a healthy branch and a healthy vine and so if fruit is produced because there's a healthy connection it's not up to the branch to work harder to produce the fruit um i love driving the hills in the spring i used to work in san jose and live in gilroy so i would drive the back road so you know those rolling hills in the spring, right after winter, it's gorgeous. it looks like velvet. It looks like green velvet. And then if you go in those backwoods, what you're going to find in the Elmaden Valley are vineyards. Beautiful, rolling hills. If you go there at sunset, it's just this golden hue. It, it, it's it's a, a really a freeing, blessing type of thing to do. And just being able to, to see that. But I've never driven by... And seeing the branches shaking. I've never heard the branches grunting because they're trying to produce grapes. They gotta just try harder. I just gotta produce the right kind of grape. And yet, how do we try to produce love and joy and peace in our life? I just need more peace. I just gotta try peace. What can I do to get, you know, and, and it's like we're we're trying to work up these things that. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that God is the one that produces that fruit. And if it's a reproductive thing, new life, how, how are we fruitful? It's good works. It's reaching out to other people and affecting other people's lives for the kingdom of God. And we cannot do that in a healthy way if we ourselves are not healthy. Because we produce after like kind. Wednesday night, we talked about that in the book of Genesis. You know, cattle after their kind, creeping things after their kind, you know, the birds of the air after their kind. Well, Jesus said a disciple will be like the one that teaches them. We produce disciples of like manner. And if we are not healthy in bearing fruit of the Holy Spirit in God working in our lives, then ministry, it becomes functional. In the book of Revelation, which we're going to get to, I'm not going to go too much in depth there, but there are some churches that were incredibly active, weren't there? Where Jesus said to the church, I know your good works. They're doing a lot of good stuff. Every night of the week, there are things that are happening. They are, there are outreaches and there are things that are going on, all good things. Places to be activities, social events. There's a, the golf tournament, and then there's the frisbee tournament, and then there's the, the sewing class, and then there's the single mothers with, you know, preschoolers class, and then there's the, you know, all, I mean, so much activity. Not necessarily bad things, but Jesus' problem with them is that they had left their first love. That was Jesus' commentary on the church in Ephesus. I don't want to be like the church in Ephesus. I don't want my life to look like that. I don't want to be so filled with activity that Jesus says, hey, you're active, but the one thing that I have is that you've left your first love. That's what Jesus wants. 
He wants our hearts. And as that happens, you know what happens in our relationship to others? We begin to care about them. And we want them to share in the joy that we are experiencing. I'll tell you that there are sometimes as Christians that I can imagine that people that don't know the Lord think, why would I want that? Man, I know some, sometimes as Christians, we could be just angry and we could just seem like we're angry at the world and angry at our culture and angry at all the things that are happening. And I understand that. I get it at times when I just see the world go upside down and things going crazy that are unrighteous and are not right. But so many times the people that we are in connection to, they don't see the gentleness of the Lord. Anytime, again, I see Jesus in the New Testament, it's these notorious sinners that are attracted to him. They want to be in his presence. And you know what? He wants to be in their presence. Jesus didn't pull. Remember he said, to be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus didn't pull so far away from the world that no one knew him. In fact, what was he accused by, uh, of by the religious community? You're eating with tax collectors and sinners. You're spending time with them. You're fellowshipping with them. You're sharing meals with them. You're in their places. And you know, we need to pray that the Lord helps us to be healthy, to be able to do that. How do we do that? One of the ways is resting and abiding in Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in us. Some of that fruit is internal. Some of it is external. Some of the fruit that we see, we see on the outside. But my question is, how is your fruit basket today? Is it full? Is it half full? Is it empty? Is there nothing in that basket at all? The greatest joy, the greatest joy as a Christian, is not only seeing my, my kids walk in the truth, but it's sharing with someone that doesn't know the Lord. That is the most, one of the most joyful things in the world. And you know what? Whether, I mean, obviously when they come to Christ, that's awesome. That is, I mean, the angels in front of the throne of heaven, they rejoice when that happens. You, wanna, you realize that's a big deal. When the angels just stop and rejoice over one person who repents and turns to Christ. But I'll tell you, there's also joy in just sharing the gospel with people whether or not they respond. Loving people, serving people, just coming alongside of people. You, one of the things that we did for um, you know, our, our, uh, the commando Thanksgiving operation when we were giving out these baskets of food... Um, we had a couple of leftovers because there were some people from the church that they gave and we had more uh, people donate than we had family. So we reserved a couple of them and I went to Vine Hill School, asked the principal, hey, are there any families that have needs? She couldn't believe it. She was blown away. She said, absolutely. And she knew exactly the families. And it, it was really cool when I, I went to deliver, instead of baskets, we didn't do it for Thanksgiving, we did uh, gift cards for Christmas and and she just came out and she just hugged me and she was super excited about it and then she wrote an email to me afterwards she just said I just want to thank you and the people in your church for providing you know these uh these gifts um she described one of the families being um uh political refugees that were fleeing persecution from their country and they're now here in Scotts Valley and they're um allowing other family members to come into their home and she just said that was one of them. Uh, another one of the families is from El Salvador. And, you know, when Theo gets back, I'm thinking it would be great if he could connect with them. I'm just looking at that going, you know what? There's so much joy in that. And I don't know whether or not they come to know the Lord as a result of that. But I know that it, it's joyful when the Lord uses us to bless and to work in other people's lives. That is absolute joy. That is a bigger joy than then how did your 401k do in 2015? That is a bigger joy than did your team win or did your team lose? You know, another thing is pruning. We realize that the basket with, with some fruit, it says in verse two, it says every branch that bears fruit. So we have the branch that bears no fruit, he takes away. The branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, I'm going to get back into the branch that he takes away in a moment here, but let me just say something about this pruning that happens. The word for pruning is the word 
kathiro. Now, what word do we have in English that is a derivative of this word? It's catharsis. What is catharsis? It's a cleansing. It's this cleansing that happens, um, and, and biologically, it could be a catheter. And, uh, you know, no fun there, right? But it's removing some poisons, all right? It's removing some bad stuff. And when, our bo- when we're toxic, spiritually, emotionally, when we're toxic, you know what God wants to do? He wants to remove because he wants to cleanse. He wants to prune. He wants to cut off some of the dead stuff, some of the things that are stunting our growth. My question to us this morning, what are some of those things that might be stunting that spiritual growth? If you're spiritually stuck, if you're in this place, maybe it's, maybe it's a sin thing. Maybe it's balance when it comes to your finances. Maybe it's um, generosity. Maybe it's schedule and it's calendar. Maybe it's some relationships that you know that are weighing you down. They are affecting you. And, and you thought you would have an influence on them and you really prayed about it. But what's happening is they're having more of an influence on you and you're just being weighed down. And it doesn't mean that you don't love those people anymore, but maybe, maybe there's some pruning that God wants to do in your life and in my life. Sometimes that pruning, it, it means getting us to a place of a lack of activity for a season. Sometimes that's the way that he prunes. I'll tell you that when you prune anything, whether it would be a, a, a tree or a, a bush or a, a vine, it looks like you're killing the thing, doesn't it? I mean... It just looks like you are butchering that thing. We used to have wisteria that grew on our porch. And, and every time, you know, winter would come and all of the leaves would fall and I would prune that thing, Deanna would say, you're killing it. You're killing that. What are you doing to that thing? And, and uh, you know, fortunately, you know, it came back even more vibrant and strong. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just cutting branches. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, you know, a horticulturalist by any means. But some of you that are, are gardeners, you know what you're doing, right? You know, you know the date that you have it on your calendar. It's time to prune the roses because if I do that, then they're going to come back stronger. Well, know that our Heavenly Father is an expert vine dresser. He's not going to... And, and sometimes it feels like, ouch, are you cutting that off? Are you taking that away? God, not that. Not at this season. But trust Him. Trust the fact that He knows better than we do. Trust the fact that he does it to produce more growth and more fruit. Sometimes selfishness, pride, a love of the world, unconfessed sin, fear. Sometimes those are the things that hinder that pruning because we don't want to stay under that, that loving, knowledgeable hand of the vine dresser. We want to run from it because we want to protect what we've grown and what we're doing. And you know what? If we do that, God says, okay, if you do that, it's going to take more time and it's going to be more painful. He loves us enough to know what he needs to cut off. And sometimes the pruning comes with our circumstances. I I don't know anyone, I don't know anyone that the time in their life that they were the closest or they they first came to Christ, um, that it's a time of most happiness. Usually it's during a time of, it could be, I mean, it could be joy, but, but most of the time, the times when I really draw near to the Lord are times of trouble. They just are. They just cause me to be on my face more. They just cause me to be more sensitive to his spirit. They just cause me to be more desperate. Those times cause me to pull away from normal everyday scheduled activity and routine, just specifically, intentionally to spend time with the Lord. And you know what he does? Says in the book of James that when we draw near to the Lord, he draws near to us. So if you feel far from God this morning, if I feel far from God, it's not that God moved, right? God's in the same place. I could gradually just move away. And sometimes moving away comes from just busyness. Pruning in our circumstances, you know, those things can really be of the Lord. Um, and how do we abide? We abide, as we said last week in prayer, we abide in his word. Now in this pruning, it says in verse three, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Remember when Jesus was going to wash Peter's feet and Peter said, no, you're not gonna wash my feet. 
And what did Jesus say to Peter? If I don't do this, I don't have any relationship with you. I have, you have no part of you. You know, you have no part of me. And Peter says, well, then not just my feet, you know, give me a, a sponge bath. And Jesus is like, no, no, just your feet. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, that's, that's fine. Because he was already clean. He already had, he already knew the Lord. So in verse three, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I in you. And I knew as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Again, you cut off the vine or you cut off the branch from the vine, from that main stem, and it could look fruitful for a while. There could even be fruit on it for a while. But given enough time, it will shrivel up and it will die. And in the same way, you know, when I'm not walking closely with the Lord, I'm not, this is not a fear of salvation thing, by the way. This is not like, hey, if I'm not having a good week, you know, I might not be saved this week. That's not what this is talking about. But I'll tell you, when it comes to that fruitfulness in my life, when I'm not walking closely with the Lord, the fruit can last for a while. You ever get in really good shape physically? Maybe not, but if you, you know, (laughs) if you've ever been in really good shape physically and then you stop, for a while, you could still, you could pick it right back up. It's amazing. You could miss a couple of days, a couple of weeks. You could eat some food that's not good for you. And and maybe, you know, maybe for a day or two, you might be okay. Maybe not. But what I'm saying is that you could go some time. But if you go too much time, then it becomes so detrimental. Let me ask you, when is the last time that you have intentionally just put a pause button on your schedule and just pulled away and just said, Lord, until I hear from you. God, I just need, I need direction. God, I need your closeness. See, this is what Jesus wants us to do. Now, in that pruning, um, I remember earlier it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, there are two interpretations of this, and I, I think both have biblical basis. Both of them can, in a sense, um, you, you could look at other scriptures to kind of interpret that. The first one is every branch in me that bears no fruit, he takes away. As a Christian, as someone that is, you know, our, our church regeneration, um, we get that from Titus where it says it's not by righteous works that we have done, but the Holy Spirit regenerates us, right? It's through the washing of regeneration. Um, Jesus talked about that in John chapter three of being born again. When a person is born again and the Holy Spirit dwells in a person's life, do you think there's going to be some fruit? Absolutely, there will be some fruit. Will there be a desire to pray? Absolutely, there will be a desire to pray. Will there be a desire to please God? Absolutely, there will be a desire to please God. If there are no, no desires like that and there is no fruit, then it's one of these deals. Looks like a lemon tree, but it ain't a lemon tree. Looks like, hey, you might have a bumper sticker. You might have a, a, a t-shirt. You might go to church on Sundays. You might read religious books, but if there is no fruit, then, then there is a problem. As it says in the book of James, that you know we're not saved by our works, but somehow those works are a verification that our faith is real. Here's the other interpretation, and I, that, that totally makes sense. Another interpretation is the word takes away is um, this word iro, and it literally means to take away or to lift up, and it could be either one. And if it's lifted up in the vineyard, a vine dresser will f- see you know, a cluster or a, um, a branch that is just stuck in the mud and will lift it up and wash it and bind it to a stronger branch that it might bring healing. And so if we're in this season of not bearing fruit, and man, we have been struggling in our walk with God, maybe in rebellion towards him, he comes alongside of us and he lifts us up and he binds us to to himself and he binds us to other stronger branches that we might bear fruit and he cleans us. 
And that interpretation makes sense as well. But when it comes to this abiding process, we abide in his word. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Again, Jesus is addressing disciples here. If we abide in his words and his words abide in us, that doesn't just mean memorization, although that's a part of it, meditation, that's a part of it, but living it out. And when I'm living it out, my desires become his desires. As it says in Psalm 37, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. When I abide in Christ and I abide in his words and his words abide in me, they remain in me. They're bearing fruit in me. Then I'm praying and I'm praying according to his will. I'm praying things that he would bless. You know, this morning when we were praying at nine o'clock, there were prayers that were uttered that I know are consistent with God's heart. Therefore, I believe that God desires to answer those prayers. They're not, as it says in the book of James, spent on selfish ambitions. Because sometimes when we ask amiss with wrong motives, those are the reasons our prayers aren't heard or aren't answered the way that we want them to be answered. In verse eight, it says, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And as the father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my, oh, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You know what, this morning, God wants us to experience his joy. He wants us to experience that, that my joy might be in you. Have you ever felt so joyful that you wanted to share that with other people because you wanted them to experience what you experienced? You want them to know what it feels like. You want them to understand that. And so Jesus is saying, I want my joy to be in you and for your joy to be full. The same joy that I have in the Father, I want you to have. That's what Jesus is telling us. And how does that come? It comes by abiding. That means that we need to make adjustments. There are times that it means making adjustments to our schedule. Some of the applications of resting in Christ in this abiding process. What does your quiet time look like? Sometimes my quiet time doesn't look quiet. Sometimes my quiet time is not quiet because my heart is not quiet. Sometimes it's my mind that is not. My, I'm going a million miles a minute. You know, um, I had one person in my early walk with Christ give me this suggestion they said, hey, when you sit down to pray, it's like you'll remember everything that you have to do. The things that you forgot that you're supposed to do, you'll remember at that moment. So just take a little bit of pad and a paper, and as you're praying, if something comes to your mind, just write it down and then just leave it and just keep on praying. There was someone else that told me something that I've always held on to, and it's pray until you pray. Do you know what it means to pray until you pray? It means the first few minutes maybe many minutes of prayer, I'm just talking and my mind is one, and then I'm just drawing near to the Lord. And, and that means I need enough time to be able to pray. That means I need enough time to be able to share my heart and to listen to the Lord. When's the last time that you've unplugged just to draw close to Jesus? And by unplugging, digitally unplugged, you know, um, having an Amish day is a good thing. You know, just saying, hey, I just want to get away from technology. I want to do a fast when it comes to those types of things. Um, it, it's difficult. I get it. I know, it. I know it's hard. What about socially unplugged? I mean, it, it's great that we have fellowship. But imagine, imagine getting married. And, and as you get married or as you're courting, you're in this relationship before marriage. And imagine the only time you're with that other person, you want other people around. Hey, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? Yeah, I invited Johnny. You know, is that all right if Johnny comes along? Oh, okay. And the next time, hey, you know what? I invited, uh, I invited my other friend. You know, is it, is it okay if he comes along? And like every time you're together, and, and eventually what is she going to say? What is he going to say? Hey, can't we ever spend time alone? Do you have this fear of being alone with me? 
Do you, do you not like me enough to want to spend time with just me? And yet sometimes with the Lord, if this is the only time we're with the Lord is with other people, then there is a problem. The intimacy is developed. The relationship is developed by getting away, being unplugged. And let me, let me also share, it means time. There was something in the 80s, you know, it's all about quality time. So if you're going to spend time with your kids, make sure that it's quality time. Make sure those three minutes a week are good. You know, they have your full attention and they, they, they know that they're loved and affirmed. But I'll tell you, how do kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Not just quality, there's quantity as well. And it's not just quantity with, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. What? What? I asked you a question, Dad. Oh, sorry, what'd you say? You're not listening. I am listening. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, that's, sometimes we just need to, to get away. And with the Lord, unplug, draw near to the Lord. And lastly, this, what keeps you from resting in Jesus? What keeps you from resting in him? Is it time? Is it sin? Is it an area where he needs to prune? But you're like, no, I'm not gonna let you prune this. Not, not this, I like this. This is my go-to. I, I can't be pruned right here. And God says, no, unless you let me do that, you're gonna suffer. And, and again, why does he wanna do that? That my joy may be in you and your joy would be full. That's why he wants that. So, as I have the worship team come up, maybe you've never received Jesus into your life as your Lord and your Savior. What that means is entering into that relationship, saying, Jesus, would you come into my life? I don't want a religious experience. Remember this, God is real. He is a real entity that really wants to draw near to you. It is not just about religious observance. And so this morning, I'm gonna pray. And if you've never prayed that Jesus would come into your life and forgive you for your sin, and just that means anything that I have done that has offended God, I just want cleansing from that. I don't want any blockade between me and God. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer to be able to do that. And then for those of us that are followers of Christ, I'll tell you, I just shared at the beginning, man, I am in a season where I just need his presence more than anything else. And, and, you know, I've even put some things off on schedule-wise that is difficult planning because I don't want to just plan to plan. I don't want to say, hey, I got I to gotta put some of these things on a calendar because the calendar is happening. I need to hear from the Lord. I need to pause my schedule long enough to be able to breathe in deeply, not just for God to tell me what to do, but just to get to know Him deeper, more closely, more, more intimately. Then out of us will flow torrents of rushing water. That's a, healthy, that's a healthy relationship. That's a healthy church. That's a healthy family. That's a healthy Christian. That's what spiritual health looks like. So I'm gonna pray and ask the Lord of the Sabbath that we would be able to enter into his rest this morning. Father, we wanna thank you. Man, what an awesome word you've given us, Lord, just to remind us to abide to remain, to enjoy fellowship with you, to be close to you. And Lord, while there may be tasks that are pressing, Father, I confess that there are many times that the urgent takes precedence over the necessary, the important. Lord, we, we just want to enter into the rest of the Lord. Jesus, I think about when, um, when in judgment that you, you said uh, to those on your right, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest. Enter into the rest of the Lord. Lord, we want to enter into that rest. We don't want to be those that fail to enter. And first of all, Lord, I want to pray for anyone that maybe is looking for you to be like like meditation, like a thing that they do rather than Jesus, the risen Savior who has died, risen again for our sins. And if there's anyone here that has never prayed to receive Christ, I'm gonna lead you in that prayer. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for going my own way. 
Forgive me for offending you and being self-centered. And I ask that you would come into my life, change my heart, regenerate me. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. You would help me to walk with you. I pray for your joy in my life. Then, Father, I also want to pray for those of us that are already born again followers of Christ. Jesus, we want to hear the voice of our shepherd. You said that my sheep hear my voice. So, Lord, help us to still our minds. Help us to still our our busy hearts that we might be able to hear what it is that you're saying to us. And God, we willingly right now, we want to present to you our lives and ask you as the loving vine dresser to prune whatever needs to be pruned. Lord, to cut out whatever needs to be cut out. Help us to trust you. We want to thank you that you invite us to enter into your joy. Lord, may our joy be full. May we experience the joy that you have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.